Todd Talks. A font is a font is a font, which really is not a font. This subject comes up a lot. Fonts, typefaces, so forth and so on. Uh, years ago, let's go back about, let's rewind the clock, maybe 15, 20, let's go 20 years. What the heck? Let's just be brave and go 20 years ago. 20 years ago, um, you have computers primarily computers. Uh, let me think about this. Yeah, primarily. We didn't have tablets and smartphones and all that other kind of stuff. So they're just computers. And Adobe, although Adobe more or less co cornered the market with Adobe fonts. Okay. So they were architectured and engineered fonts so that when you create a print piece, um, that the fonts are engineered as such that they, they come out nice and clean and crisp and consistent no matter where you are. So for example, if you use a font like Adobe Caslon, and you're printing it on a, uh, a Word document or you're going to use it in PowerPoint or you're going to go to a printer and have it printed on a piece of paper or whatever, a print product, that Adobe Caslon will always look the same. That was the whole idea behind the fonts. And when the internet came out, they started having, it started to branch off because Online, on web, they had these things called true type fonts, which were sort of a part of Word products like Adobe, uh, Adobe uh, Microsoft Word and PowerPoint. They would rely on these inner fonts that they used primarily and solely in their program. So the early version of Microsoft Word, let's say, for example, they used Times New Roman and Helvetica as their and Arial as primary fonts, let's say. One's a serif font, and a serif is those little twisty, curly thingies. And sans, meaning without, sans serif fonts are the ones without those pointy, curly things, like Helvetica and Ariel. So they had uh, very, very basic fonts available, and they were true type fonts, and they were embedded in the program. So what started happening was people, designers, started using these fonts to produce material to get things printed, and they'd use true type fonts. The problem with that is that they had what they called screen fonts and print fonts. And true type fonts were a screen font. They weren't a print font. <gasps> well, what the heck does that matter? Well, it matters a lot because when you go to print a font that's meant for a screen, a screen at the time was very, very, very low resolution, very, very pixel-based, very pixelated. So it was meant to work on that machine, on that screen only. Now, if you go to print, it's going to be higher resolution. Back then, it was, let's say, 300 dots per inch. So that means inside of an inch, you're going to have approximately 300 dots. So it's going to be very, very tight, very, very sharp. You take a screen font that's garbage and pixelated, and you try to put it up on a print on a print piece, it's going to come out jagged and pixelated. And then the client says, why why is my print piece look like garbage? Well, it's because you used a screen font, a true type font. So then they started developing these other fonts called uh, open typeface fonts, open open fonts. Usually you see the symbolic O. And that was sort of a mishmash between a screen font and a print font. So you had open type fonts. So now you have true type fonts, you have open type fonts, you have Adobe fonts. And there were more, there were actually more, a lot more, a lot more fonts. So it started to sort of snowball. Let's fast forward up to current day, even as much as five, 10 years ago, where Google started to announce Google fonts, where you can use your own Google fonts, because now you can have a type library for websites 
that ties to a font library. And Adobe did the same thing. You can use, to this day, I use a lot, all of, I, most all of the Adobe products. And Adobe Fonts is something that I use regularly in online products and in uh, print products that I create. Um, but you can get fonts from Google. You can get them from Adobe. Get them from both places as well as uh, on the desktop as well. And um, it's becoming, I think it's an even bigger problem than ever because let's say you're working on PowerPoint and you want to work with a font. And well, what font do you use? Well, that depends because some fonts are inherent in PowerPoint and some fonts may be local on your computer. Some fonts may be available on Google fonts. Some fonts may be available on Adobe fonts. So you have fonts all over the place. If you're working on Adobe, um, let's say you're working on Adobe InDesign and you have a local font. Let's say I'm using Gotham Bold on my computer and I have the actual font file in my fonts booklet um, on, my, on my iMac. So, you know, I go to font book and I load my font. And then I'm using, let's say I use Proxima Nova and it happens to be an Adobe font. Now, when I package that job for a client or a printer or whatever, it's not going to package that online font. Why? Because it's a subscription-based font that I'm borrowing from Adobe to use on a project on my computer to export a file. I can export a PDF, a print file and things, but I can't share that font with somebody else, which is actually good and bad, right? It's bad for me because I want to be able to easily uh, collect this job and prepare it and send it to the printer and not have any issues behind it. Um, I want to own it myself, but it's good for them because I'm not, you know, sharing fonts, you know, because a lot of time and money go into these fonts, actually artwork, if you think about it, and they need to protect that because there's a lot of, a lot of nonsense going on with people, uh, sharing fonts and images and music and all these other kinds of things. I mean, let's go back to music back in the days of a thing called Napster where people used to listen to music and they were listening to it for free and sharing sharing music for free. Um, a while back when they had cassette tapes, you'd be able to record music on a cassette tape or even CDs. When you burn a CD, you could burn CD music, but now they're all coded as such. that it's very, very hard to replicate and duplicate and, you know, share music with others, which is a good thing for the artist, especially because they should be paid for their work. Um, and that goes the same, that goes, I think it's the same anyway with uh, images and fonts and anything that you purchase that you want it to be legit. So where to begin? What? How do you use the fonts? What What, what do I do when I get lost? First of all, you have to think consistency as far as branding goes. So if you're creating a brand or an identity or a company or whatever, part of that branding process is going to be thinking about fontography or typography. That's, a, that's really, really important. That's foundational, in fact, because, um, you know, the look and feel of your company should be kiss, consistent across the board. So what I do, for example, is I will explore fonts that I know I can get in print and online without an issue, and I often will buy both. So, for example, let's say I'm working on a website and I can get uh, a font called Montserrat, Okay, I like that font because it has a wide range of, of uh, 
uh, font types. So we'll have thin to bold to extended to flat to extra bold to black to ultra thin. They, they have a lot of styles available. And Montserrat actually is available as a print font and an online font. So I might do a job for a client and I make sure that I get both fonts. I get the online font and I get the print font and I make that in a print folder and make that part of their branding package that this is their font. I make sure that when I create an online website, let's say I use Squarespace or Weebly, but let's say Squarespace, and um, I use that font. I make sure before I do the research uh, or before I start the project, I do the research to find out that um, that exists on Squarespace so I can find that font, Montserrat. Yes, I can. So now I have it on the computer. I can share it with other designers or freelancers or whatever. I can share it with the clients so they have it for print goods, aka business cards, promo cards, white papers, uh, you know, animations, infographics, all that kind of stuff. And you also have it online too, so you can use it across the board on the website. So there's consistency there. So that's really important. Now, if you're only going to be working in PowerPoint and Word, this becomes a challenge because let's say I create a Word template for you, the client, and I want to deliver that to you. And I want to use a fancy font. Let's say I want to use something called Roboto, uh, which is a cool font in all caps, by the way. So if I want to use Roboto. And it looks really cool and sharp and I export a PDF and you like it and I go, I give you the Word document and you get it and you open it up, what's gonna happen? Eh, you don't have Roboto, you don't have the font. And even if you did have the font, would you know where to put it? Because every computer is different and certainly Windows versus Mac is a totally different process and often a different font all by itself. I can't give you that Roboto font and expect that it's gonna show up on your computer the right way. This happens all the time that I give somebody a folder with fonts, I give somebody the job file, like a Word document, and they send me back a PDF and it substitutes a font. That happens all the time. So unless you know how to put the font, where to put the font in the correct way, to restart your computer, to recalibrate, so forth and so on, to make sure that that font shows up correctly and it's the right font, it's very, very difficult to, to make happen. So as a designer, I like to, what I say, I call um, control the environment, control the design environment. I think that's really important as a designer because that, that, that way you can make sure that the piece you get, um, it's consistent and it looks good across the board. So let's say I'm creating a flyer for you and I want to use, uh, let's pick another cool font, Trajan, T-R-A-G-A-N. I love that font. And, you know, the piece is going to look beautiful because, <clears throat> you know, as an artist, you know, you're putting together the artwork, the fonts, the right color, the right size, the right proportions, you know, what it says, how it says it. It looks beautiful. You export a PDF and it looks great, and um, you know, then I give you the job, I give you the whole job folder, and you open it up, and you don't have Trajan, and I say, well, it's in the font folder, and then you don't know what to do with it. You try to find the right place for it, and it doesn't work right, and it creates a whole big problem, so then you, as the client, says, ah, it doesn't matter if I use Trajan or, or Willy Wonka, it doesn't make a difference what font I use. That's completely false because that changes the whole design. Just one simple font will change and quite often can ruin a design. Let me go back to Word though in PowerPoint. 
I always recommend in Word and PowerPoint trying to use the most fundamental basic fonts there are. So for example, Helvetica, Times New Roman, uh, what else? Um, and Arial. Those are very safe bets because almost every computer and every device has those fonts. So are they boring? Sure, they, they can be very boring. But are they consistent? Absolutely they're consistent. The other tip I like to recommend on PowerPoint and Word is employing graphics because if I if I create let's say I have a uh, a consistent word that's used across the board let's just say you're into computing and uh, in let's say your tagline might be uh, uh, the new cloud for cloud technology cloud computing the new cloud and I want I want the new cloud to be a certain font let's just say we want that to be uh, I don't know let's just say Trajan for now I can make that as a graphic and then export it as a transparent background PNG file, place that in the Word document, and then you'd see it as a graphic. Looks like a different font, but it's not a font. It's actually a graphic. But then you don't have to worry about that. So I make the main part of the PowerPoint or Word document to be something like uh, like Helvetica or Arial or whatever. So that you have that and you will definitely have that. So. That's what I like to do with Word and PowerPoint for those reasons. Um, otherwise, sometimes what I recommend is when you're working on an online project is asking the client to do a review. So if you're working on, a, let's say, a content management system or an online site builder like Wix or Squarespace, is that I'd show them a few variations. I'd explore the design space and look at the different fonts, and I'd ask them, you know, what do you like? Do you like serif fonts, sans serif fonts? Show me a couple fonts you like. And then I'll do some research and try to find something that's similar. And even still, if you're, if you're proficient at web design and online site builders, you can easily change the font. So a couple of times uh, this year, actually, I've worked on websites where, well, can we do something more fun with the fonts? I can easily change that up across the board, make a, a CSS style sheet change or something to make it uh, change across the, the whole site. That's not a problem. But let's make sure that that's all nailed down and solidified before we do the whole branding, right? Because you can't keep changing your fonts. You want to nail that down as early as possible. So that's the basics behind fonts. Um, it's amazing to me how we have the technology to do so much, and yet something as simple as a font can be so hectic and so frustratingly complex. Now, the best thing is to always try to work with a professional, a truly professional designer, because they will know exactly what needs to be done. They know, for example, to outline fonts before you export the final PDF for print so the printer doesn't have to worry about having the font. It's now out, um, all outlines. They'll know, for example, that you know um, what fonts will crash together on a website versus the ones that, that won't. It's really important. So the font part of it can be very, very comp be very complex. So always try to consider working with a professional design group or person that knows fonts. You know, go ahead and experiment on your own and, and that kind of helps build, um, uh, how do I say this? Like build a picture for what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But 
in the end, consistency is going to be your ally. You're going to want it consistent so that your brand is very, very sharp and very, very consistent. So when people see your business card, they see a paper, they see a printed piece, they see a uh, a website or whatever, that it's always going to have the same look and feel. And that has a lot to do with the fonts you choose. Todd Talks.